0: Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, it does me great pleasure to provide a formal introduction to today's guest co-host. She is not a stranger to NWC. She is a friend. She is one of our consultant partners. And we are so grateful that she said yes to our invite. And I know that you're going to enjoy the rich insights that she will share. So if you're new to our podcast, you know that I always read the official bio because I think it's critically important for our community and audience to know all of the accolades, the credentials, the experience that our co-hosts show up to the conversation with. And so today will be no different. As a proactive and collaborative team expert, Dr. Julia Weiner has earned a reputation as an industry thought leader who is equally as analytical as she is visionary. Julia was co-owner of a manufacturing distribution and e-commerce company that has gained recognition in Inc. Magazine's 2018 Top 5,000. They were ranked specifically 1,106 fastest growing private companies in America. She and her partners took the company from its inception to an international company that shipped tens of thousands of packages each month and employed over 300 people. They sold the firm to a Fortune 500 company in 2019. As the CEO of JW Strategies, Julia works collaboratively with executive management teams in driving leadership development strategies by designing and implementing programs that meet the needs of a diverse workforce. She focuses on organizational structuring, change management, cultural improvement, and executive coaching. Julia's personal profile is shaped by strong family values, a superior work ethic and an integrity driven competitive nature that motivates her to exceed goals and energize those around her. As an instinctive leader, she reaps personal fulfillment by helping others tap into their inner excellence and aligning their personal growth with their company's short and long term business goals. Julia earned a bachelor's degree in business administration, an MBA, and a PhD in organizational leadership from Indiana Wesleyan University. She is currently pursuing an executive coaching certificate from Brown University. In addition to her professional achievements, Julia loves volunteering in church activities. She serves as the VP of the board of directors at Attitudes and Attire and a board member at Hope Clinic of McKinney, both local nonprofits that fulfill her passion for helping underserved communities and empowering women. She lives in Allen, Texas with her husband, seven-year-old daughter, one-year-old son, and a son who lives in heaven. Dr. Julia, we're so glad you're here. I'm gonna stop sharing my screen now. And for those of you who have been a part of our podcast community for quite some time, you know what we do. We find those emojis. We find those words of affirmation, those words of welcome. And we will greet our guest co-host today with a warm, warm welcome. I'm going to add you to the spotlight. I cannot tell you how excited I am that you are here with us today. And before I release you, Dr. Julia, to (laughs) greet this audience in your own way, we have a tradition here. And that tradition is to have our guest co-host to share with us something we would not know about them from reading or hearing their bio, as we just did, or from your LinkedIn profile. So this yeah. is an opportunity for you to share whatever that you feel like is gonna help us to have just a little bit of insight into yeah. Dr. Julia Wiener. Welcome, my friend.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for, for inviting me. I'm I'm so so grateful to be here. Um, I thought long and hard about this. I've been I've been looking at all of your your podcast up until this point, and I'm thinking, goodness, I don't. I mean, everything is out there, but there is one thing that people don't know about me, if they unless they really know me, and that is that I am a self-professed um, tortilla chip connoisseur. I know all about the tortilla chips that are out there. Any brand that you want to bring at me, I know about it and I have tried it and I I have confidence that I know about the best tortilla chip. So Garden of Eden, Late July. If you go, if you guys know any other brands, please put them in the chat so I can go check them out. But uh, those are my, I I truly, I I have tortilla chip tastings with my friends that come over um, just so we can make sure that I know the best ones. So I love it.
0: (laughs) Okay. So we have a lot to get to, but I have to pause right here for a second. So I did not know that about you, friend. And I've been knowing you for years now. And uh, I have to have an understanding of how did this fetish and this (gasps) affinity to tortilla chips kind of come to be? Oh my goodness, I love it. So I, I okay, I'm, I love
1: working out. I love, um, you know, staying, staying fit and, and all of those things. But um, one of the things that comes with that is hunger. Like you're just so hungry after like a really all big workout. Yes, all the time. And so um, I started kind of thinking, okay, what's something that's like kind of healthy, but then, you know, maybe, it, you know, tortilla chips aren't that bad as long as they're not covered in in cheese and and and, uh, and fat. Um, but they're really not that bad. So it was a it was a way for me to get like a savory, salty thing um, after yeah. a workout. And then I just started just like going deep into it. So sometimes I'll, 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 I'll try a new one and I'm like, no, that's too salty. Done. Uh, this one's too, you know, too crunchy. Done. And so, um, yeah, I, I really get into it.
0: I love it. I'm so intrigued by this. I love it. I love it. I love a good salty snack too, but you know, you have to watch that salt. So I I totally yes. understand. Well, great. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing that little insight tidbit about yourself with our community. So I want to jump right in and I want to talk about your journey, yeah. which of course as I shared in your bio, it started with co-owning a manufacturing, distribution and e-commerce com- company and then becoming the CEO of JW Strategies. So I would love for you just to take this audience through a little bit of behind the scenes of that whole journey. Because first of all, congratulations, that is no small feat to grow a company to that size and be able to sell it. I mean, that is that is that is big time. I know it's Black history, but I want to talk about not Black history, but what's happening like right now with the individuals that are walking around all of our communities all over. And so to me, that is Black history. There's not many people that can say that they have done that. So that's tremendous. But I would love for you to give us a little bit of insight into that journey and then also specifically share some of the lessons. Um, that you learned along the way.
1: Sure, yeah, thank you, and and Nika, again, just thank you so much for uh, for creating this space in this community. Um, it's just I've been following it, following this particular space for the last several months, but following you for years, and um, I'm just so grateful uh, to be here with you. Um, but but yeah, I, I started um, in a a corporate role back in Greenville, South Carolina, where where I met Nika and, and where I'm from, and um, I I was there for at that company for about 10 years, um, a large, large fortune 500 company. And um, there I learned a lot of great skills, a lot of great, you know, uh, communication skills, leadership skills, um, but nothing that quite, you know, you know, got me to where I needed to be for entrepreneurship. Um, that just comes from day to day, just like grit. You you wrote about grit yes. the other day, uh, Yes. <laughs> um, uh, so, so yeah, just day to day, just, just, that's where, you know, how I would say I got to that point, but um, to fine tune that a little bit, I started there, uh, you know, about 10 years. Worked there. My husband and um, our partners decided they wanted to quit their corporate jobs and go off and and start this business. And at the time, I was nervous. I was scared. I thought, no way, I'm staying in the comfort of of. I have insurance I've got you know I'm I'm good you know um this yes. that is scary and uh and so I I I told my husband look you know you you guys go out I allowed you know I say I allowed but he was going to do it anyway I allowed him to to leave and you know I would take care of home you know I would um you know make sure that we had our, our bills paid and things like that it's it's tough starting a business somebody has to um to right. be uh, the stable the stable provider and we didn't have children yet at the time either so and so it was it was a really good risk to take. And uh, he did. He, he went off and started the business. And then uh, these these two other people that he started the business with um, turned out to be life. they will. They are lifelong friends and um, they didn't have a lot of corporate experience and a lot of organizational experience, which is what I was able to bring to the table. Uh, but uh, they they had um, they had some great ideas on on where to take the company, and so after about a year um, of of just kind of being on the sideline and working on the business at night after my corporate job yeah. and helping my husband in the background. They eventually said, listen Julia, like we need talented people and we need someone to to be a leader of our people and and you know we're busy um, doing everybody's busy doing other things but no one's leading the people and uh, so they brought me in um, I I honestly like I, I left my my corporate job kicking and screaming I said no I don't want I want to stay in the corporate world so I went to my corporate job and said hey, I've got this opportunity to work on my own business with my family, my husband um, and partners. Um, what do you say about, you know, you know, me going part time? They said, sure, absolutely. And then uh, I went back and said, hey, it's I'm, I'm it's not working. I need to get I need to get like my my hours need to be even more reduced. Yeah. And then I think I need to leave, you know, and then they're like, no, 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 just even more part time. So, I mean, I was working like, several hours a week by the end. And um, it was it, the writing was on the wall that I needed to yeah. completely leave. Um, and so I we did. Um, I left and um, started full time with my my company. And um, it was truly the best decision um, I, I could have made as far as my career was concerned. I was able to affect change. I um, got like I said, the, the the grit that I was able to um, to grow within myself by being an entrepreneur. Um And just the, the people that we hired um, truly inspired me and truly those, those individuals that I got to work with inspired me to go and get my, my PhD. Um, And so, so yeah, it was, it was, um, it was, it was quite wonderful. I I do want to tell you about those people Um, when we first started the the business, we had, um, several, several people that just needed a job. Like they just needed a job. And we were like, Hey, we just need people. So you don't have to have a PhD. Like you really just, we just need some bodies. We need people to help. And, um, they were like, well, I've got a background I've got, I've had, I've been through some things, you know, I've got a record. And we thought, listen, just come, we got you. Don't worry about it. And then we, 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 that started happening more and more. They would tell their friends, Hey, you can get hired at this place, even if you've got a background and we thought, all right, well, Hey, let's go, let's do this. And we decided that it was a it was a space like we created this space uh, for people that um, were many 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 from lower socioeconomic um, backgrounds, um, people who had um, uh, records um, and and things like that. Um, there were several moms and, and dads who were trying to get custody of their children back, um, and they needed a job. They needed to go to court. I mean, all of these things that we ended up having to work with um, with these employees but it was just, it just provided such a rich experience. And then Mm -hmm. on the other end, we had people that had masters and PhDs and and things like that. And it was just such a a, a beautiful culture to see those people grow. And then that's when I said, man, I wanna do work like this. I want to um, help build cultures. And how do I do that? I wanna be more educated on it. And then I went to get my PhD after that,
0: so. Yeah. I love, love, love that story. And I love the fact that you all found this this audience that maybe was untapped and maybe Mm -hmm. unserved because we do know that there are a number of individuals that um, need a second chance, right? And and there aren't many employers that are willing to take that risk for a variety of reasons. And I know that from a legislation perspective, there's been a whole lot of people that are kind of pushing for more organizations to be um, much more thoughtful about the, the consideration of that, I mean, the bottom line is that we know that a lot of people that may have a record, um, they're still in our communities. They're still in our mm-hmm. society. They want to be able to be gainfully employed and to contribute back to society. And so right. um, I, you know, sometimes I've heard someone say once before that the only difference oftentimes between those individuals and maybe the rest of us is that, you know, they got caught, right? <laughs> and I, so- I, I knew you were going to say that because I say that all the time. Yes, they got yes. caught. Yes. And so I do love that you brought that to the conversation. I think that it's kind of this untapped um, um, diversity dimension that sometimes we don't talk about enough. That's really, really critical. My husband is in transportation logistics, and he also hires a lot of second chancers. And there's a lot of success stories that I I could share about that. But um, we need those organizations. And so kudos to you and your, your husband and your partners for seeing fit to lean into that. And then yeah. reaping the rewards, because it sounds like you were able to create this really solid culture that mm-hmm. um, has really um, helped you find your passion and really like your niche within this broader kind of uh, context. And so um, so speaking of like organizational culture, you were working right now, Dr. Julia, on a book. On the topic of organizational culture and so give us a little bit of what we have to look forward to when will the book release and what oh, kind of inspired the book yes yeah, share with us yeah, please.
1: thank you thank you and um oh I, on on that note on on getting my phd dr nika white i wrote in my acknowledgement section um sure did. If, if you're not familiar with um, the dissertations at the beginning you well really at the end you get an opportunity yeah. to write a um, kind of an acknowledgement. I want to acknowledge uh, people who have inspired me, professors, friends, family. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I wrote in there that, you know, Dr. Nika White had inspired me because she pretty much like paved the way and gave permission, you know. It, 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 I didn't know that I, I needed it and I didn't need it. But seeing her go off and uh, with a family, a young family at the time, get her PhD, wow. I uh, I just was so inspired. And I thought, wow, I could do it too. I can do it. So, um, so thank you, you for did that.
0: It. I did it. I did it. Yes,
1: yes. So, um, and the reason why that that I have to start with that is because my book is going to be based upon my dissertation. And uh, whenever I was defending my dissertation, my, one of my committee members at the end, when I knew that I had done it, he said, "So when's when's the book coming out about this?" You know, and I thought, "Oh, good, that means I passed, right?"
0: <laughs> um,
1: so, so, so yeah. My uh, my dissertation was uh, focused on on it was a quantitative study, so I did a lot of surveys on organizational culture and how that relates to innovation in small businesses. And of course, my, my passion was with was small businesses because of myself, you know, being a small business owner. at the end, it was ended up being more of a medium-sized business, but um, nonetheless, a lot of the same issues and like, opportunities that small businesses have. And so I knew a lot about that space. and, um, and then Texas was where I live. So I studied Texas-based small businesses. And I wanted to know how do, how do small businesses create a culture, that gives way to innovation when small businesses don't have a lot of money to just pay for innovation. Right. For example, Amazon says, "I want to go get in the grocery business." So they bought Whole Foods. "I want to go get into the healthcare business." They bought a healthcare yeah. company. They do whatever they want. Yeah. They want to be innovative, they just buy it. Um but, you know, small businesses don't really have that. They don't have like the the um the resources usually to right. just go buy a, a subsidiary, yeah. and so I thought, well, how do they do it then? And I thought, well, it, you know, I, I looked in the literature, and the literature pointed a, a lot back to culture. Well, they have to have a culture that that um, kind of refines and um, and and puts forth um, innovation as a priority. And so I wrote about that in my dissertation, and um, you you might be familiar with this. You know, whenever you're getting if there's any doctoral students on the on the line now um, your committee will try to get the best get the most out of you and they thought they told me they kept saying well hey this this is great quantitative but like what about qualitative what a, what about a mixed method study where you uh, go and talk to some business owners and truly kind of flesh out some stories and um I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to get this thing done. I didn't want to spend any more time.
0: <laughs> For you and I talked about that. I said, listen, the letters, PhD, it's so important, but the yeah. most important letters right now while you're in the mist is D O N E. They're gonna right. throw everything at you. They want you to look at it 10 different ways, but look, I can do that later. Let me be done. That's right, that's right.
1: And Nika, and that's and that, and we're later, we're later now. And so I said, you know what, I'll do. I will uh, take my my committee's advice and your advice, um, and just look at it later. And so now, what I'm going to be doing is taking my dissertation, using it as a base, but then going out and actually getting some stories and getting some real life examples from um, business, small business owners on how they have innovated and how they've gotten to the point that they've uh, that where they are. And uh, so my working title it's a working title. It's uh, cultivating culture: a blueprint for leaders and i'm working with and this is now that we're um in the last little bit of black history month i want to make sure that i um shout out a black owned business um Natara osborne who is actually on this call right now she owns Please. the infinite writer and she is a, a book writing coach she is fantastic. So what she has done, uh, she and I have worked together um, for several months now. We've been um, creating an outline, um, really refining my topics and my chapters. We have eight chapters outlined, and um, she is just fantastic. We, we have like two-hour calls where I just talk, and she kind of like, um, you know, writes. And uh, and then she helped me with with refining of the, the outline. Um, she's fantastic, Black-owned uh, business. Um, so if you're interested in writing a book, um, that would be a really great place to start is um, getting with a coach, um, uh, a book writing coach. So she's fantastic. So that's where well, I'm at love- right now. Yes, go ahead. I love
0: it. Congratulations for um, having the vision for 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 writing a book again. That's not a small feat either. And so I'm so excited for you. I know it's going to be great. I'm so glad that you um, have found a great coach and resource to help you with that process. I love supporting and amplifying um, Black women who are in business doing things. And so. Please mention her name again and yes, invite uh, her to share in the chat her information if she wishes for do. folks in this community to reach out.
1: <laughs> yes, Naitera Osborne. She is the Nytera owner Osborne. of the Infinite Writer, and uh, if, I I saw her pop in, so I hope that she okay uh, that she hears right now and that she uh, will share. So please share. Um, yes. She is fantastic. She's got a lot of great packages and and
0: things like that that you can explore with her. Um, but absolutely. Thanks Wonderful. For that. Wonderful. I, someone had, I've been asked actually a couple of times. I just celebrated year one of book number three and they're like, well, when is book number four coming? I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a year or so from now, but oh, um, my- so congratulations for having that underway. That's exciting.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, Nika, I I wanted your book. I wanted a, a, a signed copy of it. So I, I remember I sent you a signed you a copy and then said, Hey, send it back to me with your signature on it. Like it is just, yeah. so, I want, I want to send it, give it to my daughter, you know? Um, Oh my gosh.
0: Okay. So let's take a moment to go there. Let's take a moment. And you're so sweet. This is really supposed to be about you and you sharing your story, but you keep interjecting some different ways in which we've been connected. That was one of the most um, thoughtful things that really was um, so impressionable for me. And so again, as Dr. Julia mentioned, she lives in Texas. And so when I released my book, she went and bought her book. She shipped her book to me along with a, a prepaid package for me to ship it back to her, just so that I can, Sign it, and I just yes. thought that was the, the most amazing show of support. And I was so happy to do it. I think I even did a, like a LinkedIn live or something about it, you or maybe did. like a, a, a live post. But it was so sweet! So thank you for that support. I oh, too you. look forward to supporting you. And you. Um, so we'll have to make sure maybe we bring you back once the book is, is available. I would but love we it. Did have- yeah, we love that. We do have Natira's information that's placed into um, the the chat, her LinkedIn information, and uh, so I hope that you all will also take advantage of seeking her out and, and understanding what she has available. So now, now the whole tortilla thing is making sense because you know <laughs> I knew that you were a researcher, but yeah, the depth of of how you are connected to just like research is is, is making is bringing us full circle. So I'm so <laughs> glad that um, you're using all of those skill sets, even if it is for finding the perfect tortilla as well as being able to add value to this book that you have um, earned away right now. That's fantastic. So I want to shift a bit and I want to talk about uh, the coaching that you do because I know that's also one of your passion points. It's also something that you are... I'm trained in, you have a lot of experience in it, and you're continuing to get some additional credentials um, to help you in that regard. But how do you specifically approach executive coaching? And I would love for you to talk about it in a sense of how do you blend and embed a lens of dei into executive coaching?
1: Sure. thank you. yeah, that's uh, it, it's so um, it's so special to me that question because, a lot of the the clients that i get um truly have um issues that come from a diversity equity and inclusion problem right. um and, and and i don't i don't um put my um you know as as far as my credentials on my website or on my linkedin that i am an expert in dei but just by way of who i am i i it people are drawn to me in that way and they think hey she might be able to 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 talk about this with me, um, as a woman, as a black woman, um, and it's it's just so special that I get to navigate that with with people.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, one of the ways that um, I've I've been working in this this idea of conscious leadership lately, and uh, one of the I, one of the things that I focus on is this idea of taking one hundred percent responsibility, and that doesn't mean uh, like. I take responsibility for myself and myself only. It means not taking responsibility for other people's stuff. So taking 50% responsibility would look something like I'm a victim, everything happens to me. I don't have any control. I'm I'm sitting back. I'm, I just don't, I don't know. You know, that's kind of 50% responsibility. 150% 150 percent responsibility though is shouldering and um, and taking on more than um, than is necessary and is um, you know placating other for other people and what what you do what happens when you do that when you take 150 percent responsibility versus the, the 100 is um you you take that away from other people. You don't allow them space to to deal with the things that they need to deal with, especially when it comes to D E and I. If right. if we bring up a, a, an issue, let's say, and then a person says, um, okay, well, I'm really sorry about that. And then we say, oh, it's okay. It's 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 no big deal. Well we just took away the opportunity for them to go work on that um, by saying it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, no, I want you to. I want you to go and 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 do your own work and 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 be better. You know, um, that's g- giving that person responsibility to do that. And a lot of times, especially um, women and and black women in particular, we shoulder. We take on a lot um, when it's it's not our responsibility. It's not my responsibility to go and make other people feel comfortable about whatever it is, especially when it comes to DEI issues. So that's one of the, one of the things.
0: I love that. So well stated. Um, I'm going to paraphrase here and make it plain own your stuff. Own your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Own your stuff. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I'm hearing, all of your stuff. No, but yeah. I love that. And you're right. I think that one of the values of coaching that maybe not a lot of people um, fully appreciate is that it is very individualized. And so mm-hmm. during those coaching sessions, you aren't trying to necessarily talk about what someone else should be doing or why they mm-hmm. didn't do this. It is focused yep. on you and you only, because that is what we can control ourselves. And so, right. you know, a coaching oriented type of, um, of, of, of training and upskilling is really valuable in that regard, because um, I do think... Think that it forces us to accept ownership and full accountability for how we're showing up and, and the things that we can control. And, yeah. um, and so that's, that's really critical. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be shifting in a little bit, uh, but I do want to make the audience aware that we're going to give you a chance to present your questions, comments. So there's some curiosities that are coming up for you. Hold those in mind and I will um, allow you to, um, to share. If you're part of our Zoom community, you can do that by um, using the raise hand feature, which lets me know that you're willing for me to invite you to unmute yourself and I will add you to the spotlight. Or if you just want to place maybe your questions or comments into the chat, we certainly welcome that as well. If you're part of our LinkedIn Live community and you have questions or, or comments, place them into the chat. We're bringing all that over into this um, chat community and Zoom so that we can be one big happy um, collaborative as we are engaged in this conversation. So while you're still percolating, I'm gonna go to the next question. And I wanna talk about this concept of black magic, right? Um, You have, this is part of like the messaging that normally you like to speak to. So I would love to give you the platform to talk about that. Mm -hmm. So can you delve deeper into the concept of black magic as discussed specifically in Chad Sanders book, black magic what black leaders learned from trauma and triumph black individuals leverage their experiences and resilience as a source of strength
1: mm, i i just love those words honestly i um i i was in the car i i, I love listening to um interviews talk radio like uh npr i love the the NPR interviews. This guy, Chad Sanders, was on an interview, and uh, he was talking about his book, promoting his book, and I I, I, I kind of got in in the middle of the interview, but I just heard this man talking about the idea that um, Black people have this kind of inherent uh, skill when it comes to emotional intelligence, when it comes to resilience, when it comes to um, being able to read the room, you know, all of these things, and it comes from um, our experiences, just existing in a black in in, excuse me, in a white world. And I thought, what is he talking about? That is, that is what I'm saying. I love that. Like, I love, (laughs) I love this. And so, you know, my research brain just went wild and I thought I have to learn everything about this guy. I, I love what he's doing. I love what he's talking about and uh so i got his book and um i should have sent it to him to get a to get a signed copy i should have done the same thing (laughs) um (laughs) um, but i got his book and um he's been on several podcasts but here's 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 the idea of black magic basically he's he talked about how um and, and this is how in my experience as well when when we are growing up as a as a black person we experience so many things, so many microaggressions, so many injustices, so many um, just just atrocities. Honestly, um, mm-hmm. and we can use those to our advantage, but we don't. We have to cultivate them. We have to know that they're there. And so, for example, um, one one of the examples that that came to mind for me was whenever I was in um, in high school, I remember um, lying about. You know where my dad was. Um, My dad was in prison, and um, Mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't want people to know that. I was. I was quite, quite embarrassed about that. Or, or lying about um, where um, my my parents worked, and you know that they didn't have great, you know, in my opinion at the time, great professional Mm -hmm. lawyer, doctor, CEO jobs. So I didn't tell the, the full truth about what my parents did. I wanted to assimilate. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be. Like the people that were in the groups that I was in, and um, many times those those people were white individuals, and their parents weren't, you know, in in my in in, at my school anyway. Their parents weren't, you know, working as a clerk at a grocery store or or working, um, you know, or or in prison. You know, so I wanted to assimilate so bad, and this is what Chad Sanders talks about in his book too. So what happens when we do that though? When we don't own our um, our story? we forget that we have so much power in that. And, um, and, and, and we, we don't, we don't use it. And so, you know, instead of me saying like I'm a kid whose dad was in jail, how about I'm a kid who was able to navigate the world without a father for most of, most of the time Um, I knew, I know him. I I know who he, I mean, he's, he's around now it's he's fine. But um, at that time in in those formative years, I didn't have that like the next person Um, or, you know, for example, um, just you know, um, having teachers having low expectations of me um, as a as a, a middle schooler or high schooler, truly because I was just black. Um, that's not something that most white kids have to deal with. How do I overcome that? What do I? What did I use to overcome that? How do I? How did I just keep going to school every day, knowing that my teachers didn't expect much of me? Um, and, and and you know, and, and another one would just be bodily safety, like walking outside and knowing that. Like I could, I could be accosted, you know, and, and um, questioned because of where, you know, because of me, you know, walking through a dark alley with a hoodie on, like mm-hmm. that could happen to me. It truly could yeah. happen. It's it's not hypothetical. And so how do you get along in life with, with all of those things, um, you know, carrying all of those things and then go to a, go to work and go to a boardroom and and start talking and, and being a normal person. Um, it's, it is, I, I, it's awful, but I just don't think that a lot of people can can do that. And I think those experiences of Black people, we can do that. We we do have that mm-hmm. power. We have the emotional intelligence from our experiences. We have the um, the grit, the resilience from our experiences of just existing. Um, to and we can use those in boardrooms, in um, you know, in in places, uh, you know, in, in entrepreneurship, in in whatever. And I I think that um, what Chad's book has taught me um, and I I learned it long ago before reading the book, but he just articulates it so well, is that there's magic in um, in our experiences and there's magic in um, kind of truly, you know, living out those those things that um, that aren't fair and that are awful. Um, There's magic in saying, you know what, though, I'm going to I'm going to use this to my advantage. And um, and and here we are, you know. So that's that's okay. one of the
0: things I love about, about his book and, and all of the research that he did to write that book. Yeah, I'm so intrigued now. So I want to give the full title of the book again. I did place the short title into um, the chat, but it's um, Chad Sanders, mm-hmm. Black Magic and What Black Leaders Learned from Trauma and Triumph. And what kept coming up for me as you were sharing this this, this story that really um, I was intrigued by is what I see before, own your stuff right mm-hmm. let's not shy away from it let's own our full stories now that is different from letting those that information define us That's but right let's let's own it mm-hmm. and uh what i'm hearing is that i'm going to get the book because now i'm so intrigued by this message and i see why it certainly resonated with you and you felt this passion to want to you know dig deeper you know there's so much There's some criticism around the whole Black magic, you know, kind of Black excellence connotation right now. But what I'm hearing is that what um, Chad Sanders was attempting to do in this book is to allow us to see it as something that could work to our benefit, not that we have to be superhuman, but let it work to our benefit. Because, you know, there is like this, this full movement right now around rest as a form of resistance. It's part of, you know, how we need to help ourselves to feel liberated. as as black individuals, and it's also a part of you know how we need to be really mindful of our well being and radical self care and all the things, right? And so um, I just wanted to take an opportunity to 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 bring that to the conversation because I do know that when we hear words like black magic and black mm-hmm. excellence, it automatically yeah. can put us into that space. But um, I love this notion of um, again, kind of owning. Your stuff telling your story, not shying away from it, is part yeah. of what has shaped us. And I also love the refrain that it provides for us to um, have a greater appetite to lean more into sharing that information about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not because it's defining us, but because it is it is part of that ownership. And I think that part of um, being free to be authentic is to be able to own that. Absolutely, and so that is beautiful. Absolutely. Yes. So I think yes, I'm seeing that we have placed a link to the book into the chat, and so I'm definitely going yes. to be ordering that book. So thank you for introducing it to this community. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know, Chad Sanders. It sounds like this is going to be a good resource for for many of us. Okay. So I'm not seeing any hands raised right now, so I'm going to keep moving because I have lots of questions. But again, just want to remind you, if something is coming up for you and you would love to um, communicate those curiosities or those comments, then use the raise hand feature or let's go to the chat and I will be sure to uh, let your voice be heard. So I wanna talk about leadership now. Um, What role do you believe, Julia, that leadership plays in fostering a more inclusive and supportive workplace culture? All the roles. Everything. (laughs) All the roles, all the things, A to C. I know, I love to say DEI is leadership. So why are we separating the two? But yeah. Absolutely,
1: yeah. (laughs) So um, there's, um, I, I, I love this question because Uh, there's, there's six things that, you know, research says that like leaders do to actually create culture. Um, One of them is just kind of what they pay attention to. What, what are, what are they looking at? Um, How do they respond to critical events or critical incidents? Um, how How they allocate resources, how they allocate rewards and status, how they recruit, how they select, how they promote, and then truly just deliberate role modeling. Just these, these are the things that, you know, what leaders do to create a culture and what I think some leaders forget is that when 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 there's an opportunity to do something and they don't, that's that's part of it, too. It's not just what you do. It's what you don't do as well. What you don't do. yes. and and so I, I think and that's where coaching can kind of come in and help with those blind spots. Um, you know, kind of challenging on you on those things. but um, but yeah, it's a lot of what you don't do as well. And so, um for for example, you know, creating an inclusive environment means, having a connection with a person and and hearing what their lived experiences are and how those lived experiences shape who they are that's mm-hmm. it's it's truly about personal personal connection because the story that i just shared about my upbringing and, and you know and things like that that we are both Black women with, with doctorate, doctoral level education. That might not be your same story though. Like, I I don't think so. Um, honestly, I I don't think it is. And so, um, so, but we're, but we, but on paper, we look very similar. Mm. And I think that that is, um, you know, that is truly the key when it comes to leadership is getting to know the people, getting to know them and having empathy and saying, okay, what is it? What about your lived experience? Um, are you bringing to the to the table today and, um, or, or to this, to this works, this workspace. And, and how can we use that almost kind of like the black magic? How do we use those experiences? How do we um, continue to cultivate that? Um, it's it truly is about a personal connection. And, um, and, and if any leader tells me that they don't have time for that, I mean, you don't have time for a successful company, you don't have time for, for yeah. high margins, you don't have time for profit, if you don't have time to connect with your employees.
0: Yeah. No, that is so good. Um, That is so, so good. And I do believe that there is a higher calling and larger responsibility that has unearthed Um, on leaders since the DEI conversation has increased. And it's because it has placed the emphasis on the importance of that individualization when you are managing and leading and coaching and mentoring people. The one size fits all, which is the convenient, easy way, it no longer works. It It does take rolling up your sleeves, really building and cultivating those individual relationships so that you are managing to the strengths of those individuals, which could look vastly different from the next person. And, you know, I often (laughs) say that this work is dressed in overalls and it looks like work is because it is, you know, so all those who are raising their hand to say, yes, put me in coach. I want to be a leader. I want to be a leader. You have to count the cost. What does that mean exactly? And Are you really prepared for that? And so I, I so love that you have brought that to the conversation. I think that is critical. Um, I want you to mention the six elements again, and I'm not sure sure if you're referencing something, but they were really, really good. I especially love the one about how you respond to critical events. Because I think that one is one that is missed most often. We have had a (laughs) lot of complex social issues that have found its way into the four walls of every organization, whether or not people realize it or not, because it's impacting us outside of the four walls. And of course, we can't just separate that. And what's happening is that a lot of individuals are feeling like, leaders are feeling like that's not my place i shouldn't have a perspective or a role or you know that's outside of the workplace but what you said was that it is very important for leaders to give voice and acknowledge um Mm -hmm. you know critical events and so i want you to read those six again because i thought they were really good
1: yeah absolutely so um and i i I hope none of my professors are on right now because i i actually wrote a note here and let me tell you these are things i'm supposed to know up here (laughs) But I've got a I've got a twenty two month old, so um, he takes most of that brain power away. Uh, But I I, uh, I'll I'll be honest
0: with this community, and I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna say that on behalf of all of your professors who could maybe hear this today or later. Yes, Grace, Grace, Grace.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So there are um, six culture embedding uh, mechanisms. There's a a man named Shine. He's like the culture, um, you know, king. He 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 talks. He's he's done all the research. Um, Anyway, what leaders pay attention to is the first one. How leaders react to critical incidents or organizational crises, even
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: how leaders allocate resources. So you say you want DEI, but you're not giving any resources to DEI. You say you want, you know, <laughs> um, you say it's important, but but there's no resources, you know, um, that have been allocated. Um, how leaders allocate rewards and status. That's a huge one mm-hmm. um, when it comes to. Um, uh, well, that, actually, the the next one actually how leaders recruit oh, select promote and and fire as well um, mm-hmm. when leaders promote people of color and, um, and minorities into high, higher level positions that, that are able to make change as a young professional. I saw that. I saw, I didn't see that actually in real life, but I would see that. And if I, yeah. if, if that would have happened that, wow, people like me are getting promoted. That's amazing. I don't have to assimilate. I could be like, I could just be myself, you know? Um, and then the last one is deliberate role modeling, just, You know, you you say you want everybody to go to the DEI training, but then you don't go. Um, You know, those are it's things like that.
0: I love it. Those are so 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 rich, and so thank you so much for going back through back through each of those. Um, Okay, so I want to talk about employee feedback, Um, Mm -hmm. and I think this is why there's such a huge need for coaches, particularly coaches that um, specialize in providing support to um, underrepresented, underserved, underestimated, um, historically marginalized individuals within the workplace. And it is because Sometimes people fear giving the critical constructive feedback to those individuals because they don't want to be perceived as being overcritical. They don't want to be perceived as being biased. And then but that creates harm for us as well, because it's like, well, we're not getting the feedback we need to be able to get ahead, to be able to have that upward mobility. And so here's my question, Dr. Julia. Mm -hmm. Employee feedback can oftentimes include coded language that disproportionately affects people of color. Mm -hmm. How can organizations ensure that feedback is equitable and constructive? Mm -hmm. Let me just say this Mm -hmm. quickly. I cannot tell you how many times in my professional career I have had white male leaders at the C-suite level to come to me to say, I have this person that has great potential, and I would love, love, love if you could coach and mentor them. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying to me is that I don't believe anybody in my organization is equipped to do that. And I see that as a problem. Yep. So anyway, enlighten us, yes. please, Doctor Julius. Yes, uh, <laughs> I, that's
1: that's that's awesome. Um, you know, I there was a uh, there's a board I was on that we talked about. Uh, we need we need more DEI. Uh, you know, we were going to be writing grants, and they wanted to more um, grants that uh, you know we, we wanted to like basically write in the grants that we focused on DEI. So they they looked over at me as the only black person on the board, as a person that could like kind of co. You know. Co-lead this uh, this committee, and I said, I you know what I think? I think it would be fantastic if you guys did it um, because. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah. Maybe you guys should 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 lead the uh the efforts on 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 what makes us great in D E and I because your perspective is probably gonna, you know, I mean I'm trying to just like butter them up to maybe you take it because it's not always my responsibility to 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 lift us lift up D E and I. It should be everybody's responsibility. Put it I I've definitely put that back on somebody else. So absolutely. Um unless I want to, and then I will. Um but so here's the thing: when it comes to um, to giving employee feedback, this question is is interesting because I I had a coach, or, or sorry, a coachee, um, a, a client who was getting feedback about how um, he was, you know, his his personality had the the um, capability to kind of make or break the room when it came to you know meetings um, yeah. a, a black man, and he said, you know, I I kind of felt like they saw me as like the entertainment or something. You know, why is it that Mm. my, why is it that my, my personality? Yeah. Why do I, why do I, why am I a clown? Like, why is it that I have.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, but yeah, this is, and this is what's so tickling to me. These examples, while it seems probably maybe outlandish to some who are hearing this, these are things that we hear a lot. We hear a lot. Yes. I'm yeah. not here to entertain you. I'm here to work. That's right. Okay, keep going. Um, I'm sorry. Right. Keep going, Dr. And Julia. So,
1: and so, um, and, and here's where, here's where we go back to um, that 150%. I, you know, coach my client on that's 150%. That's, that's not you being in, like you said, I'm here to work. That's the 100%. You are not here to entertain and to keep the morale up um, Mm -hmm. amongst the team, you know, unless that is, you know, he he wasn't in a leadership role in this particular context, um, but that is not your responsibility. And so for for leaders, um, I I do, I kind of coach them on, um, you know, being honest and, and, and you know, uplifting people of color and in, in those who are historically marginalized um, by giving them the honest feedback, um, yeah. but also being careful in the language that you use and, and truly checking yourself and making sure that there's there's this thing called um kind of clearing clearing your chart kind of clearing what you what you're thinking before you're going into this meeting what biases do i have kind of check yourself where you know how how might this sound just being honest just saying hey these are these are some things that i'm noticing and um and 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 asking for feedback and here's the thing when you as a as a leader and you're asking for feedback on on you know like how did did that comment make you feel or or what have you? When the person of color or marginalized individual, historically marginalized individual says, that made me feel bad. I didn't like that or or what have you. That's the time to be quiet and to say, tell me more about that. It's not Mm -hmm. the time to have excuses and the time to say, well, I didn't mean it that way. Or Or defend or or yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's a, that's a coaching, um, something that, that all of us need help on. But when it yeah. comes to these delicate conversations, I'd usually coach just, Hey, that's the time to ask, how can I be of more of assistance? What can I do differently? Not the, the time to defend. So it's a, that's a heart totally. muscle complex, but it, 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 is. Is, it is, it's something practice. Too.
0: We have to use those muscles in order to get better at it. So yeah, that is is really sage advice. You know, I heard you say that language matters. And so it does. does. Language matters. Tone matters. Um, And let's say this too. If the relationship is solid to where you know that on occasions you may have to have a delicate conversation, Mm -hmm. then usually the trust is there because the bank account has been built up. But if you're making withdrawals every single day because you aren't practicing emotional intelligence, you aren't, you know, really leveraging and exercising your muscle of of cultural intelligence and humility to understand more about the differences between maybe your demographic lived experiences and the other person, then it's going to be easy for you to have a lot of withdrawals where really what you want is a pretty solid bank account so that when you have to have that conversation, because constructive feedback is necessary and everyone needs it. Everyone needs it. I cannot tell you how many times I hear a lot of historically... Um, marginalized professionals to say all of the performance reviews said that I'm doing great, I'm doing great, I'm doing great. But then I was overlooked for that promotion. That's I right. didn't get assigned to that, you know, high visible kind of project or, or you know, initiative. And it's like, what am I doing wrong? You're not doing me wrong. People are just not giving you the feedback that you need. So specificity right. is also really, really critical. And um, yeah, so so thank you. You are shedding some really important light on many important topics. So I do want to go back to the um, the individual that you mentioned. Someone in our LinkedIn community was questioning, what is the name again? Was it Sheen or Shine, I believe it was? Oh, Shine. She- um, okay. Yes, S-C-H. It's actually kind
1: of, I think it's the same name as that clothing company, um, Sheen, Shine. Um, oh, oh, E-I-N? Yeah. Yeah, Edgar. Edgar Schein. Um he actually unfortunately passed away last year um, in, in very, very old age, but um he he is the the leading uh, sociologist, psychologist on, on organizational culture, Edgar Schein. There he is. Right.
0: Okay, right great. I just placed it into the chat. So um, thanks for getting clarification on that to our LinkedIn friend. who wanted to um, have you repeat that. Okay. Thank so we, are, we have two minutes left. We're running out of time. I feel like this conversation could go on for like another oh, yeah. hour, but we're going to have to invite you back once the book is released, because yes. I know it's going to be great. And I know that we're going to gain a lot of value from hearing a little bit more about it, but I want to give you, the opportunity to close this out in whatever way that feels appropriate to you so if there's something that i have not asked you about dr julia that you have a lot of energy and passion for that you want to socialize with this community i want to give you that chance to do so to close this out before i release you to do that I just want to thank you again for saying yes to our invitation for being here for your leadership for your light that you're providing to so many people through your work that you're doing and i also want to thank this community for for showing up week after week and for um, engaging with us today. If you found this content to be useful, then when the replay comes out, certainly share it, suggest it with someone in your network. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, we also have a podcast that's going to be available as well. So close us out, Dr. Julia. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Nika. Uh, there, there
1: is one, one last thing I'd like to share. Um, I had a, a client, a potential client reach out. We had an initial conversation and uh, at the end, I asked her, you know, what made her want to choose me as her coach? Um, it's great research for a person who's um, starting a business. And she said um, on a different a different group that we were in together, I loved how you were vulnerable and you shared your story of loss and you were, um, hand, you know, handling grief um, and, and uh, children and you know, getting your PhD. And she said, I really appreciated how vulnerable you were. And that made me want to you to be my coach. And what what I, I want to just leave everybody with is um there is strength in vulnerability. There is strength mm-hmm. in being who you are and living out, um, you know, and owning, like Anika said, owning who you are. There is strength in that. And whatever it is that you've been through, if it's um, a loss of some sort or if you're going through something, um, if your spouse is going through something, um, Talk about it. Talk about it with people. You never know who is going to want to connect with you for that and um, want to hire you as their as their coach, or or even just want to um, shed light onto your situation. So, uh, I, I for far too long, I uh, up until and uh, up until I experienced a great loss, I wanted to to be seen as as just perfect and everything is great. Um, mm. But until I um, I experienced a great loss that I couldn't hide, I uh, yeah. couldn't hide from. I started truly like kind of living my life and I just want to give that to others is, um, be vulnerable and, and live.
0: What a great way to end. So inspirational. Thank you so very much. Everyone have a great and safe weekend. We'll see you back here next week for intentional conversations podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.